one of the things that I learned, directors are providing a service. We are serving the people in the room. Our job is to make sure that we are setting up a room where people want to come back and that people feel safe and they feel safe to take a risk. This is the Community of Theater podcast, where we shine a spotlight on the community theaters, local theaters, amateur, educational, and outreach theaters, not-for-profit theaters of all kinds that stage over 25,000 productions across America every year. Today, we're going to talk about making theaters inclusive spaces. A lot of theater companies, probably most, will say that they value diversity and inclusiveness, but a lot of them fail to really live up to those values in a way that's probably not obvious to the people running things. So today I'm joined by Tommy Jackson, who you may recognize from the Broke Thespians episode last month. Hi, Tommy. Hi. And beyond your work with the Broke Thespians, where you're an actor, a director, a board member, you also teach high school theater as your day job. Yes. So you spend a lot of time in the theater. Yes, uh, too much time. (laughs) But, But you experience both the participant side of things and the... The leadership roles, both in rehearsals and administratively. I am on both sides of the table, or all around the table, however you want to put it. (laughs) Yeah. So today's topic is really a continuation of two different things. One was a kind of moment in the history of the broke thespians that you talked about on that episode a month or so back, where you drew attention to the way that group wasn't growing to be an inclusive organization, and things went really well in that case. The organization rose to the occasion and, you know, did a directional shift, and and things are going really well there. But also, a few months before that, just you and I were having a conversation, and you talked about a lot of things that you have just kind of learned from the experience of being a queer black man in America, (laughs) and how that has influenced the way you work as a director and the spaces you cultivate. And so I just really wanted to take the opportunity to talk about that. Yeah. Um, So, I don't know, I guess I'll start with black queer people are not a, I think the word is a monolith. Like, we're not one of those. This is going to be from my perspective of being the black face in many white spaces, (laughs) which is not ever, honestly, that is never the goal. That is never the dream. You don't want to be the face that represents an entire group. But the way that casting works a lot of the time in these areas, it's not as diverse as we would like it to be. Mm -hmm. I will say that with many of the theaters I've worked with in Central Texas, there's been a great push for inclusivity and to become a little more equitable. Compared to when I first started working in Central Texas theater, maybe about, oh my goodness, 11 years ago, um, (laughs) things are a little bit different. So I guess... I don't know where to start. It's, it's such a broad... It is, it is, it's a huge topic, topic, and I realized I got it condensed down to this concise question, which just has a vast answer. Yeah. Um, but I guess as a starting point, this probably itself is, is a really huge question, but yeah. what do you think the, the difference is in just the way we exist in the world? As I, I'm, I'm just a very white person and grew up in a predominantly <laughs> white area, yeah. so I don't have this experience of being the, my, the obvious minority in the room. Like, yeah, one of the things that we talked about in, well, not in Broke Thespians, but Mitchell and Nate and I outside, just kind of talking as friends who do theater, is um, the process of an audition. Like, what does that look like when an audition pops up? Mm-hmm. And when an audition pops up for a company I don't know, I look up that company. 
I look at their photos. I look and see, like, are there people that look like me that work there? And if not, why not? You know, ha- has there been a reason that they're not working in this area, especially if it's in a more rural area, you know? Mm-hmm. And I kind of like, there's an extra level of research. I mean, everyone's going to look up their theater company. But for me, it's like, are we purposely excluding people who look like me? Or is it something that people like me are avoiding? Because I, I have been in places where I didn't do that. And the result was very negative. I've had lots of like racial encounters through theater. I've had people, you know, make microaggressions where they're making little jokes that they think are hilarious and I don't. And then if I say I don't, it's, you know, oh, don't be so sensitive. To the point where I've had people who told me to just kind of stay in my place. Like those word for word, stay in my place, boy, you know. And then when I bring that up, it's like, oh, well, don't turn it all into a race thing, you know. And so I want to avoid being a part of a company that does stuff like that, Mm -hmm. um, which is why I'm very outspoken in the Broke Thespians meetings. So for me, I look up that company. I see who has worked there. If I have a friend who has worked there, I'll contact them and say, like, hey, what's this place like? And I'm sure that everyone does that as well. But then I specifically say, like, what what is this place like as a person of color? Mm -hmm. Um, What was this place like as a queer person? Did you feel safe when you went to this place? Because they're doing a show I love. But I don't know who they are. So beyond having these statements on our websites, we have to really ask, like, would people speak positively of our companies? And if not, what are we doing to make sure that our companies do feel welcoming to everyone? And that is something that I do see when I work with the companies that I do keep coming back to. See, and I think this is a place where I've probably fallen into a trap of, you know, assuming everyone's experiences are like mine. Because my vague impression is theaters are really progressive places we don't have racism here at least not overt (laughs) racism no it's there and it is it is sometimes very overt and then sometimes it's like a level of bias of we treat black performers differently Mm -hmm. one article that i am constantly sharing with people around audition season i forget who wrote it but the title was like broadway loves the white diva but hates the black difficult actor if you are white and you can belt your face off, you can have a little <laughs> bit of an attitude. You can say, mm, I won't be doing that. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to say like, oh, that person's the worst. That person's super difficult. It's like, oh, that's just how she is. Mm-hmm. you know. But I've been in situations where I'm not approaching it with that same language. And I'm saying like, hey, I'm uncomfortable right now. And they're like, I've been labeled you know, difficult, mm-hmm. uh, hard to work with, unreliable. you know. When I just say things like, hey... I'm not comfortable. Can we talk about this? One example that happened for me was I had a costume for a show I was in and it was hurting like my back. I have scoliosis and it was like my back was locking up a lot and I kept bringing this up and the costume designer and the stage manager kept being like, oh, stop complaining. Stop whining. And right in front of me, another performer came up and was like, this shirt, this dress is showing my skin on my belly and I don't like people seeing my belly. And they said, oh, sweetie. I'm so sorry. I'll get that patched up for you right now. And they took the dress from her, mm-hmm. um, this white actress, and fixed it up. And then I said, but this is physically hurting me. And they were like, you're just being a, like, you're being a diva. Get over it. And I had to keep going on and performing with this thing that was physically hurting me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and people will argue like, oh, that person's not a racist. I love them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and my goal is not to call someone a racist. You know, no one grows by being called a racist, Right. Um, but I do want to point out, like, what made it so hard for you to believe that I'm actually in pain? 
versus yeah. someone who said, I just don't like showing my skin. Yeah. You know, at that point, there's some sort of bias there that lets you get defensive with me, but kind of okay with that same performer, you know, with that other performer. And when it's brought up to you, do you take it in and say like, oh, I made that person uncomfortable? Or is it immediately like, oh, you're causing trouble? And what a lot of people of color deal with is when we bring our concerns to a director or we bring our concerns to a board or we bring our concerns to someone in the room, a new story gets told of that person thinks they're too good or that person's complaining about you or talking about you or causing trouble. Mm -hmm. It's always called causing trouble Mm -hmm. when it's not. It's just us bringing concerns. So I think that's the biggest thing I've seen in theaters I've worked with is when I say like, hey, I'm uncomfortable. And they say, oh, he's raising trouble. Oh, he's going again. There he goes, causing trouble. Mm-hmm. Versus people who I've seen be very ugly to the directors keep getting called back and mm-hmm. keep getting asked, you know, not, not showing up and auditioning and getting cast, but even getting asked to like, hey, are you coming back? Are you coming to work? When I've watched them be, you know, just kind of mean, like outright mean. Yeah. There's a way that we have to navigate ourselves as people of color in these rehearsals. And we have to be so much nicer than our white peers. Um, and I don't know, this topic, as you, as you can tell, I'm like choosing my words wisely even right now. Yeah. Because I feel like what I'm saying is I don't, I don't see people of color getting the same treatment in these rehearsal rooms. But from experience, I feel like someone is going to hear this and say that I'm stirring up trouble. You know, and that that is like some rehearsal trauma that I've received and some performance trauma I've received from theaters like you, you are not allowed to express yourself in the same way as everyone else. While these theaters put their black squares online and say, like, we are here Mm -hmm. for black people. It's like, okay, well, are black people returning to you? Are we returning to your theaters? And why not? And you mentioned earlier, like, that was a conversation that we had with Broke Thespians. I had friends who were involved in certain shows, and I would say, like, hey, are you going to audition? They're like, I don't really want to audition for Broke Thespians because of this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. You know? And instead of taking that and being like, oh, well, whatever, I believe that we did a good job of reaching out and saying, like, hey, what is stopping you from coming back? You know? And this isn't just for, you know, black people. This was people of all races. Mm-hmm. And for women and for queer people, like, did they feel like our theater was truly inclusive? So I guess that's that's something that's probably actionable for people, the yeah. organizations that are having problems here. Yeah. What did you specifically do? Is this like, I think you mentioned formal surveys that Broke yeah. Thespians does after yeah. all their shows, but in that case, was this more an individual outreach, board members yeah. reaching out and personally um, asking, or what, what do you recommend there? Well, we, we made direct phone calls because Broke Thespians was so small mm-hmm. that a lot of the people we had worked with were people that we were just friends with. Mm-hmm. We had just done shows with, and so we made phone calls and we set up you know, lunches. Um, and part of it was because, you know, we want to grow as a company, but also I guess the stakes were a little higher because they were our friends, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but because we started doing that with people we were close with, we now follow every production with an anonymous survey where you can just let it out. Um, and I've been on the side as a director when those surveys come in. And I've been a fellow actor who's filled out a survey and said like, Hey, I didn't like this. Or, hey, I did like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that people who work with us, we tell them early on, like, you're going to have something like this come in, and you can choose to look at it or not. But we use it to kind of 
set up what the next production looks like. Say like, hey, we need to meet with the director and talk about this. This seems to be a concern for all of the actors in this area. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't always fall into you know, prejudice. It sometimes falls into like just misunderstanding of how we function as a company. Mm-hmm. We had one where there are people who weren't big on double casting. And they let us know, that's not what I want to do. I wasn't down with that. You need to be much more clear when you do double casting. And we were like, yeah, that's right. I guess we were a little unclear. I, I can see how what we posted would be upsetting versus what actually happened. And so we fixed that. And we said, make it clear when we're understudying versus double casting. Meaning, if an understudy is going to get a show, we announce that at the auditions. Okay. Um, and now we do that from now on. Because those results came in and that person said, like, I was hurt. I felt like you didn't trust me because you added a show for the other person after I was cast, you know, and that's fair. But on the other end, there was the argument that like, you should never double cast ever. Right. Uh And for that argument, we said, that's not how we're going to do that. You know, like just because it's COVID times, we can't stop double casting musicals, Mm -hmm. you know? So there are some things that are coming in and you as a company might say like, I don't agree with that criticism and you just have to be able to back it up Mm -hmm. and know why. So that's how we do our things. We get reflections, like people are allowed to tell us at any point, hey, I'm having a hard time. And we tell them, we have our board members pop in and say, like, if you don't want to talk to the director, you can talk to one of us. If you don't want to talk to one of us, you can talk to a stage manager. But if you want to get a concern out, it is our job to fix that because you're doing this for free. And that's the thing that I think is upsetting is I have been in places where I watch directors be just kind of ugly to women and people of color mm-hmm. because how lucky are they to be directed by you? You know, (laughs) how lucky are they to be cast by you? Mm -hmm. And that is not the case. How lucky are you that someone wants to do this for you for free? And that is the mindset that broke thespians currently has. It's like, how lucky are we that people want to come in and want to give up their time and their effort? Mm -hmm. And how can we make this a better place for them, a better experience? Um, I feel like I'm a little ranty. I feel like I'm just kind (laughs) of like talking. This is the place Um, for it. But I, I think the biggest concern is because when you talked about this podcast, this episode, I was really nervous. Um, and I'm still really nervous. I'm trying not to touch things and I am still doing it because like I said, like from experience, what I am saying has not been received that way in rehearsal spaces. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I was genuinely being heard as an actor until this year. And that is when I was directed by Sam Parrott in Putnam Mm -hmm. and by Beth James in the play that goes wrong. Mm -hmm. And those are two people who have very different styles. But one thing that they did that I loved as an actor was they checked in with me Mm one-on-one just in passing. You have all of these breaks and they would just walk up and say like, do you need anything today? You seem a little down. Mm -hmm. Do you need this? You know? And one of the things that I learned in a training is that directors are providing a service. We are serving the people in the room. Our job is to make sure that we are setting up a room where people want to come back and that people feel safe and they feel safe to take a risk. And I'm not going to take a risk for you if I don't think you, you know, mm-hmm. or that I don't think that you care about me. <laughs> G-rated. Um, uh, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm kind of jumping around. Well, yeah, that's, you you, you've naturally segued into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was we, we've kind of addressed at some level the how to try and improve at an organizational level. But 
previously when we talked about this a few months ago, you had really started to dive down into the way you run rehearsals and yeah. kind of cultivate your rehearsal spaces to make people feel comfortable yeah. and safe. And I think that part of that is probably exactly what you were just describing, checking in with people. But is yeah. there more to that? Yeah. Um, well, I do a lot of educational theater and, um, People have lots of feelings about educational theater, but I love it. It's uh, what well, I do, want that, to do with the rest well, of my life. What do you mean by educational theater? People, some people have this idea of I tell them that I direct children and then they like pray for me. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, wow, I couldn't do that. I can't believe you do that. That's so great. Wow, you're such a warrior. You're so strong. Um, and for me, I'm like, no, I just, my job, I show up to work and I do oh. it. But I, since I'm working with kids, Kids carry so much trauma day to day. And I know that people feel like that word is getting overused, just like the idea of giving people grace. People think that that's being overused, but it's real. You know, Mm -hmm. these kids are in this building all day, surrounded by people that they don't necessarily get along with. They're always being critiqued on how they looked, on how they stand, how they move, how they act. Mm -hmm. They aren't going to want to get on stage and act like a dinosaur in front of their peers, Mm -hmm. you know? unless I have set up a room that says, this is how we treat people in this room. Um, and so a lot of what happens when I direct a show with like Brooke Despians or any other company is I bring some of that stuff into the rehearsal room. So I'll start off and say like, this is who I am. These are my pronouns. Um, this is how I like to be addressed. Um, this is how I tend to give notes. Um, how do you prefer to receive notes? You know, mm-hmm. uh, There are some people who don't want to receive praise in front of a group. Um, that actually makes them much more uncomfortable. Um, some people who just, just can't handle that. And if that is you, I want you to be able to come up to me and say, like, if you have a compliment for me, like, save it. <laughs> like, just give it to me one-on-one. Or if you have a criticism for me, just just pull me aside and, like, tell me in the moment. I can fix it. Um, I want to know what works for the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might mean more work for me. But the difference is if I'm directing for another company, I'm probably getting paid. Um, and they are not. So why not make it easier for them? And so I, I, I make it very clear at the beginning, like, this is how I like to be talked to. This is how I like a rehearsal room to go. But I also want to know what works for you. And let's find that middle ground. And then from then on, we push that, me and the stage manager, we work that in. And we are constantly having days where we just stop for a minute and we go, like, how are we feeling? Do we feel like we're moving at a good pace? What are we unsure about? What have I been unclear about? And... Yeah, that idea of just like constantly checking in. And for some people, that is annoying. It's understandably annoying. But as someone who has been in so many rehearsal rooms where I'm like, I don't think I'm allowed to speak up. I know that there's probably someone in my rehearsal room who's like been through the same rehearsal processes. Yeah. And it's now like, I don't think I should speak up right now. Mm -hmm. And so if I want them to feel comfortable speaking up, I need to make sure that I have allotted that time and those opportunities into my rehearsals so that I can grow as a director as well, you know? Someone's telling me, like, the way that you do this thing doesn't work for me. I can either say, like, we'll deal with it. Or I can say, cool, let me look at that. Let me see what you're talking about. I think overall, when it comes to directing, I just want people to be heard. And I think that comes from feeling like I am not heard in many rehearsal spaces. Right. Or that I'm not allowed to speak because I, I don't want to overstep. I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Mm-hmm. But then the show still gets done and the show's still great. Um, I'm very confident in what I do as a director because people come back and that's what I've noticed. It's like when I do direct things, 
people come back into the room, whether it's at work with kids who are not in my class coming in and auditioning for things, yeah. or if it's for broke thespians, everything that I've directed, I have always had someone who I've directed before walk back into the room, if not all of the people I've directed before <laughs> walking back into the room, which means something is going right. Yeah. But what's very interesting is like I don't think that I don't think that people call me a director. Does that make sense? Not really. What do, what do you mean by that? I don't think that when we're talking about me, that people call me a director. I think that I am like comic relief actor, and that is what they see because that's what I okay. do. But I direct way more than I do any of that. But when people are looking for directors, I have to put myself in the conversation. Okay, okay, okay. You know? I have to say, like, hey, I also know how to direct. And I'm also pretty good at it, and I've also been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I have friends who are like, I'm thinking about directing. And then people are like, go ahead, show up. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's a small project. Do it. Yeah. You know? I have friends that I'm very close to that, you know, it's an easier process for them to find a directing gig, you know? Yeah. Um, and is that a, a trend you notice with other yeah. people you've known over time? I mean, most directors that I see in this area are white men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's just white dudes all directing. They're the voice. And when they direct, a lot of the times it's like, I'm the voice in the room. I have the vision. Mm-hmm. Do my thing. You know? Versus when I've been directed by other people who have been, you know, silenced a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. The, it, it's more of a collaboration. It's a little more fun yeah. <laughs> to go through. Um, this is not an anti-white man <laughs> speech, <laughs> but that's that's who's getting directing gigs, mm-hmm. and that's who looks like a director. It's white dudes, yeah. and I've seen plenty of women who are amazing directors who I would work with time and time again. And there are people of color who have great ideas who are just not getting the opportunity. And that's something that we've even talked about in Broke Thespians is like how often are we diversifying beyond our actors? Yeah. You know, how many people of color are directing shows? How many people of color are our playwrights? How many queer playwrights have we included in our season? Mm-hmm. Um, and we are still not where we want to be. Mm-hmm. But we are way past where we were two years ago, <laughs> um, yeah. where it was all playwrights, all directors, <laughs> all, mm-hmm. everyone was white, <laughs> yeah. you know, and a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... I think people get a little tense when you talk about diversifying your company and diversifying your season and diversifying all this stuff because they're like, oh, so you're saying that I'm a racist. Mm-hmm. No, we're just asking you to like put down the bias because even like everyone has some sort of bias on what they think, you know, good playwriting is and good this is. But is it because that's what we've been taught through schools that like Shakespeare's the best, mm-hmm. you know? Um, there are plenty of women and plenty of Hispanic people and plenty of black people mm-hmm. and plenty of Asian people and people of all diverse backgrounds writing beautiful work. Yeah. Not just William Shakespeare. So, like, let's give him a break. <laughs> it's been a few hundred years. And let's, like, diversify a little bit. Well, let me shift um, yeah. back to the beginning of the conversation yeah. and the concept of tokenism. Oh, my God. Because that's, <laughs> that's a word that I think I understand the meaning yeah. of. Um, and even if I had a dictionary definition, I probably just – I think you probably have a better yeah. ability to explain it in a meaningful way. It's that idea of like, I can't be racist. I'm friends with this one guy. Uh-huh. Um, or our company's not racist. We, we cast Tommy. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not racist. And that's the, I think you I brought that Tommy up on the, on the prior episode with the broke yeah. despians about wanting to not be exactly. the token black person on the board exactly. and the company and everything. Um, and I was like, we need to be doing shows that diversify. And if our diversity is that it's a bunch of white people and me, mm-hmm. then it's not true diversity. And I still stand by that. And we still have that talk of like, we are people of color. Are they coming back? Um, and if they're not, why not? Let's yeah. check in. Um, well, and it but, seems e- relatively easy for a group to answer the initial question, are people coming back from diverse yeah. backgrounds? But then what do they do about it if, they're, if it's no? Yeah, I think you have to have an uncomfy conversation. Don't call and say like, hey, black, um, why didn't you come back? But I think ask the person, do you ever plan on coming and auditioning for us again? Mm-hmm. And if not, why not? And like, all right, I'm going to take that back and we're going to improve. But not pressuring that person being like, well, you should come back. Uh-huh. We're better now, I promise. You know, mm-hmm. uh, prove, you got to prove that you are putting in that work. And there are some people that still aren't coming back for us, for Brooke Despians. Mm-hmm. But they have seen and have commented on, you know, the change in our image and the change in the way that we do things. Yeah. And we have people who we thought would never come back who are now heavily involved. I think the bottom line is like, you got to ask questions there's always this argument of like, you can't ask a question anymore. You can't say anything. And like, that's not even close to the truth. (laughs) There are lots of questions that people have for me Mm -hmm. as a black actor. And I know that there's no other way for them to find out because they're not black actors. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to answer it. It's just, how do you ask that question? You know? Yeah. If you're coming in with good intentions, no one's going to be offended. So I think theater companies should be willing to make that call. And also when you make that call, I think you should follow up because I've definitely gotten the call. Mm-hmm. from a theater company and been told oh we're going to follow this up and I want to do this this and this this next step yeah. and those never those next steps never happened mm-hmm. they were able to just check off their list that they had talked to a black person mm-hmm. and say like oh yeah well we reached out mm-hmm. you know but you didn't really you didn't really absolve it we didn't get to a resolution yeah so I think start the conversation and then do something about it uh-huh. And then don't, don't put that weight. Don't put the weight on me to on come and diversify. On one individual to be a representative yeah. of the, of yeah. the, to be a monolith, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, we saw companies that were hiring a black person and saying, like, you're in charge of diversity. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The issue is that you weren't having enough people who look like me here. And now I have to tell everyone else, like, oh, no, I promise they're good. Like, that, that's unfair. Yeah. You know? Um, it needs to be a group effort by the entire team. Yeah, kind of going back to, to what you're saying about people f- feeling afraid to ask questions. I like the the way we got into this conversation, got into this episode and everything is you brought up that this is kind of a topic of interest to you. Yeah. Um and I think it would have been I think it would have been pretty presumptuous and uh, just rude of me to say, hey, black friend Tommy, you want to talk about racial stuff in theater? <laughs> yeah. Right just out of the blue. Yeah. Um, no, we, no, we'd like, we had had a long conversation. Um, but, I mean, so, I feel like I'll, at various points in my life, I have known, like, one black person. Yeah. And I am just incredibly conflict-averse personally, and so I've always been super reserved about not being a person to start potentially awkward conversations. Yeah. But I, I presume there is a way to approach something where you do know one person of some marginalized group. Yeah. 
and you have questions and there's yeah. got to be a, a kind of polite, respectful way to approach that and say, hey, are you willing to do this emotional labor? Are you willing? Yeah. Are you comfortable addressing this topic? Also, is accept, that you just got to be able to accept a no. Yeah. Yeah. It, you ask that question like any other question. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I want to ask you a question. It may come off as sensitive, blah, blah, blah. Um, and if they go, no, not right now, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. You don't get to go like, well, I'm trying to do the work and I'm trying to grow and you're not helping me. <laughs> and you don't get to guilt them into not being a human who yeah. gets exhausted sometimes. Because it is exhausting answering questions all the time and saying like, oh, well, as a black person in theater, um, how often has a director not known what to do mm-hmm. with your hair? That's another thing. It's like, are we hiring black people beyond on the stage where we can clearly say it's diverse? Yeah. Because how I have yet to be in a show where I've not had to figure out my own hair. And that seems minor, yeah. but for black people, that's a big thing. Like, our hair is huge. And so no one on your team knows how to do the hair, and I have to pay out of pocket for this community theater uh, hundreds of dollars to get my hair braided or retwisted or ooh. redreaded, yeah. you know, um, just to find out, like, mm, I don't think I like that style. Could you change it up? You know, um, let's diversify behind the scenes as well mm-hmm. because we're doing things like that, you know. But, yeah, just be willing to be told no. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to you right now. And I think people who might get in that defensive position are exhausted. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the, 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 I should say the, the person asking the question and oh, okay. being kind of off put by the fact that they're not getting the answers they want. There's the internet. You can yeah. go in. I, I spend way too much time on Reddit. Yeah. But there's lots of social media communities or just different places you can go to find communities of people who are who have either answered this question a million times and you yep. just got to search for it, or you go there and you ask the question in an open-minded way. Yeah. Whatever the question is, even if it is a pretty offensive question, if you acknowledge, I apologize if this is offensive, and yeah. and you ask and you react respectfully yeah. and learn if you are taught why something is offensive, then yeah. it's going to be okay. Yeah. That, that is a way to grow. 100%. But I think people are so afraid of being told like, hey, that was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And we assume that that criticism means that we are bad people. Yeah. And that's not the case. Yeah. All right. Well, we are at the end of our time because today we are recording in the San Marcos Public Library yeah. and our time is literally <laughs> up. So thank you, Tommy. Let's do this again sometime. Yeehaw. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Thanks. This has been the Community of Theater podcast. If you found it valuable and have the time to leave a review, I hope you'll do so. If you have suggestions or feedback of any kind, you can email me at communityoftheater at gmail.com or find the show on Facebook. If you're in Central Texas, you can see both Tommy and myself in the upcoming performance of Love Sick, a broke thespians production, which runs February 10th through 19th at the Price Center in San Marcos. Finally, the article that Tommy referenced earlier in the episode is Broadway loves the white diva, but shuns the difficult black performer, both diva and difficult in quotes. I've included a link to it in the show notes. It's very short and you should definitely give it a read. Thanks for listening. And if you're currently in a production, break a leg.